This episode of Creativity in Captivity is sponsored by the Curtis Theater in Brea, California. Presenting Dawn Reed's The Never Too Late Show on Saturday, May 11th. Tickets are available at the Curtis Theater website. Get ready for insight and inspiration on the creative process from an array of artists, writers, and visionaries on May 9th, when Season 7 of Creativity in Captivity kicks off. In the meantime, please enjoy over 150 episodes hosted by Pat Hazel with a stable of creative guests in our listening lounge at creativityincaptivity.fun. This is Creativity in Captivity, Nativity Edition. I'm Pat Hazel, your host for the first annual Christmas Cluster. Rather than having a single guest as we usually do, we are offering a variety of seasonal treats to jumpstart your holidays and get you in the zone for a cool Yule. I imagine that you're probably wrapping gifts, making cookies, or en route to a family gathering with some miles ahead of you. I want to give a shout out first to Joanne Doherty Trio with Ryan Bennett on drums and Joshua Ramos on bass for providing us with the festive theme music for this year's Christmas cluster. Coming up, we will have visits with TV hostess Erlene Hoople, poet Alondra Markman, new songs from Broadway Barbara, Maya Sharp, Tony Hazelden, Catherine Porter, and Seth Barish, along with some stand-up from my upcoming album on Ghost Runner Records. Grab a cup of Granny's Holiday Hooch and pull the podcast up a little closer to the fire for this year's first annual Christmas Cluster. Well, all right, my first guest today on the Holiday Hoot is the colorful hostess of the Early Bird Morning Show on cable access television channel 17, best in low definition television in Osaki County. She was crowned miscommunication by the Wisconsin Dells Broadcasters Association, and she is here to help make our spirits bright. Welcome the Contessa of cable television, Erlene Hoopal. Hello, Erlene. Well, butter my butt and call me biscuit. This is my first podcast show. Do I look all right? You would look gorgeous. In fact, I would say you have the perfect face for podcasting. I even spritzed on some of my signature perfume, Eau de Doudade. I'm packing 10 pounds of fun into a five-pound bag. I can tell you that, Patrick. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you spend it with your family? Well, of course, with my sisters. Yeah, and my sister Charlene brought a top-secret stuffing recipe. Oh, it's unbelievable. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, please. You should write this down. What my sister Charlene does, she takes a cup of raw popcorn, and she puts it in the stuffing mix just before she puts the turkey in the oven. And once the popcorn blows the butt off the bird, you know she's good to go. (laughs) That must have been a good time hanging out with your sisters. Oh, my Lord, I love my sister so much. I really do. But well, it's, it's kind of like playing catch with a Frisbee. It's better with a little distance between us. <laughs> my sister Marlene, bless her heart, I swear. She is one wheel shy of a unicycle. <laughs> You've got some unique family names there. Can you tell me where Erlene came from? Is Erlene a family name? Well, it's a cross between my Uncle Earl and my Aunt Eileen. Erlene. Get it? Huh. Needless to say, it's great that they didn't do it the other way, which would have been Alarl. <laughs> Hello, Alarl. <laughs> Sounds like you got your tongue shot with a tranquilizer guard. <laughs> but anyway, my Aunt Eileen, oh, she was always just dressed to the dimes. And she always smelled like Chanel number no. five or 
we called it channel number five when we were little girls. <laughs> and she never bought it either. No, she would just rub it on herself out of the pages of the fashion magazines. Sometimes she would rip out a whole page and she would fold it up and tuck it under her bra strap. You knew you were getting a good hug when you could hear that paper crinkling. <laughs> she was married three times to Earl, Marvin, and Sherman, which is how my sisters and I came to be called Earlene, Marlene, and Shirlene. Shirlene later changed her name to Charlene to, well, to establish her independence, which I respect. I said, you go, girl. Yeah. But poor Aunt Eileen, she lost all three husbands relatively young. Yeah, oh. Earl and Marvin, they died of poison mushrooms. Really? Yes. And Sherman, poor Sherman, he died of a skull fracture. Oh. Apparently, he wouldn't eat his mushrooms. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a family joke. <laughs> okay, okay. I was worried for a second there. So, does your family have, have holiday traditions that you do every year? Oh, we, you know, traditions we sure did, Ray and I. We always used to get our real tree from Mother Flocker's Christmas lot. Yeah, nobody ever flocked a tree quite like Mother Flocker's. But now that, well, now that I'm flying solo, I, well, I've switched over to a pop-up special this year. Well, do you still put up the same traditional decorations? Oh, yeah. Ornaments on a tree are like charms on a charm bracelet, Patrick. Take the pickle ornament. Oh, oh, it's, a, you know what that is? That's an old German tradition. So parents would hide the pickle ornament on the tree the night before Christmas. And that first kid to spot the pickle on Christmas morning will get a little something extra from old St. Nick. And it also gave mom and dad a chance to hide the pickle on Christmas Eve, which is such a wonderful tradition. Are you German, Patrick? Uh, no, I'm not, but that is a great tradition. Well, what is your favorite part of Christmas? Oh, let's see. I'm a sucker for the mistletoe this time of year, but let me tell you, <laughs> Big Ray didn't need any mistletoe to get my attention. Oh, no. Every morning, I would ask Big Ray if he wanted sugar in his coffee just to hear him say, Erlene, darling, stir with your finger. That's all the sugar I need. Oh, oh couldn't you just melt? <laughs> that is as sweet as anything I've heard this year. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with the folks before we say goodbye? Oh, yeah, everybody. Watch out for the holiday scammers this year. Oh, yeah, this weekend we were in the bookstore, Francine and I, Francine Ledbetter. She's my friend who gets her hair done at the funeral home. Yeah, yeah, it's half off and she doesn't have to have her waiting in line, if you know what I mean. And her hair always looks good in the front. In the back, it's a little flat, but I'm just <laughs> telling you guys that. Anyway, we were in the bookstore and we asked the cashier if she would mind gift wrapping our books for us. And that cashier looked me square in the eye. And you know what she said? What do you want to kill a tree? Oh. Do I want to kill a tree? I thought to myself, we're in a bookstore. This is a tree cemetery for the love of grace. <laughs> anyway, those bookstores, you know what's great? They're selling bookmarks this time of year for $1.25. <laughs> you know, if oh. you just use a dollar for a bookmark, you're already saving a quarter. <laughs> but you know, Patrick, do what I do. This is what I do. I buy a book. I get a receipt. I got a free bookmark when I oh, use that receipt, but don't try returning that. No, no, because they'll ask for the receipt back. They'll ask for the book back. You're without a book or a receipt. Enough bah humbug. Anyways.
<laughs> I really wish you the greatest of the holiday season, Erlene, to you and yours. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to you and yours as well. Well, I'm off to do some caroling. We three kings of Orient are having trouble parking our cars. Angry faces stealing spaces just for a patch of tar. Happy holidays, Patrick. Thanks. That was lovely. Thank you, Arlene Hoople. Cheers. On this podcast, we believe in being creative and bringing new things into the world. I'd written a little Christmas ditty called Hello Santa for a play, and we ended up cutting it from the show. So I sent it to a couple of my very talented friends, and I said to them, approach it however you want and just surprise me. So here now are the results of the new Hello Santa with vocals by Catherine Porter and jazzy piano accompaniment by Seth Barish. Hello, Santa. Or would you prefer I call you Nick? I want to believe what's up your sleeve, but it just don't stick. You say you see me when I'm sleeping, and you know when I'm awake. Well, in my book, that's called Christmas stalking. You should be jailed, for goodness sake. Are you an eggnog and reindeer flock and sleigh hogging good guy or some phony tinsel town mall clown? And forgive me if I don't believe the chimney is the best way to get your ass down. Tell me, Mr. Kringle, Claus, or is it just Chris? Was that daddy copping cookies or was that you giving mom a kiss? While we're at it, something's funny with the big old Easter bunny And what's up with Madam Tooth? And are elves making toys for all the girls and boys? For you know that can't be the truth Please, Santa, what's your deal? Are you a fake muse? Or are you something real? Oh, come on, Santa What's the scoop? Are those raisins on my lawn? Or is it reindeer poop? All right, thank you to Catherine and Seth for squeezing in that bit of fun with all they have to do on their holiday to-do list. Now I want to share with you the first listen of my new comedy album coming out on Ghost Runner Records. They were kind enough to send over some seasonal snippets for the Christmas cluster. Here now are my observations on Thanksgiving and eggnog. Thanksgiving was the holiday where it was permissible to burp. Not an outward belch, but an inward kind of making room for seconds. Okay, I can stay till the pie comes, then I gotta get out of There was always one person on the floor with their belt undone, hand in their pants in front of the football game. Get up, Grandma. You're going to lose your place at that grown-up table. Your age strictly determined where you sat on Thanksgiving. Everybody 12 and under sits at the kids' table. The next year, everybody 16 and under sits at the kids' table. Next year, everybody 21 and sits at the kids' table. Keep up in the age, we're never going to graduate here. That grown-up table was like a country club membership. 
Somebody had to die off over there in order to get the seat. It's horrifying. You don't want to sit at the grown-up table. Nobody appreciates it when you get milk to come out your nose at the grown-up table. This, of course, is the highlight of the kid table, right? The grown-up table, they talk about three things exclusively. They talk about having been sick, getting sick, and thinking they might be getting sick. Any, any food passing by, they can find a leap-off point, right? Like, you know, pass the rolls, I have a secondary yeast infection. Oh, Jesus. Is that cranberry any good? It's good for a urinary tract infection, I can tell you that. Would you like a yam? I'm sitting on a hemorrhoid the size of a yam. Don't tell us that, Uncle Neil. You know, Thanksgiving is the beginning of eggnog season. There's a strict moratorium on this thick, viscous liquid. It is only available to you for 30 days a year. It all goes bad on January 1. That's the date they take it off the shelf. They take it to the back of the grocery store. They relabel it buttermilk, and then they parade it back to the dairy section. Do you like eggnog? You can't remember, because they give you 11 months to forget. So every year, you're like, no, I don't, I'll try it. I don't know. Ooh. Let's put a little liquor in mine. I remember I do like it now. My next guest is a poet, visual artist, and composer. He has spent much of his time creating over 10,000 poems in public spaces behind a sign that says, Poetry Upon Request. Please welcome the bard at large, Alondra Markman. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm fascinated by the poetry in public spaces because... I mean, of course, it's intriguing when people walk up to you, but I think about how much is going on around you when you're concentrating on writing that poem. So tell me a little bit about what nature and bustle and the public does when you dive onto that typewriter. When I'm working typing poetry, I'm completely in the inner world of whoever I'm writing the poem for, and that's how the magic happens for me. Everything else is background information it gets filtered out mostly we could be in a quiet office or a busy street and i my process is the same i'm going to give our listeners some context and how i met you we are really meeting for the first time within conversation today but in 2013 i was in new york city and it was the first christmas that i did not have my kids i was separated on right after a divorce and that christmas eve and christmas day i did not have my kids and i didn't know where to go so I went to New York City because I felt, you know, there's a Christmas energy to it, walking around and seeing people and seeing the tree at Rockefeller Center. And I just didn't want to be alone. On the day after, on the 26th, when everybody who I knew there had finished having family time, I contacted a couple of friends, a uh, musician and an actress, and we decided we were going to do something on the 26th. We didn't know what, and we wanted to make an event out of it. So they found an article in New York Magazine, the 20 Cocktails that you should have for the holiday season in New York. We were meeting at Penn Station to start the journey to go on this pub crawl. And while I was waiting for them, I saw your sign. It said poetry on request. And it was really intriguing to me. It sort of beckoned me and I was thinking about it. When they showed up, I said, hey, before we start, let's get this dude to write a poem about our night out. You asked us a few questions and we kind of told you our game plan, which seemed very innocent. You just dove in. And bang, clickety-clackety-click, you're playing playing the typewriter, I'll call it, which was really interesting. And I didn't know if it was going to be great poetry or 
child's play. I had no idea what was going to come of it. And you composed a, a poem called Straight No Chaser, and it was written for the Tipsy Trio's Lounge Crawl. That was the title of it. And what was really interesting is as you finished, you had put two sheets of paper in the typewriter with a carbon in between. And when you pulled it out, you put one on a pile for you and you handed us the other one. And you said, would you like me to read it for you before you go? And I thought, wow, this is a a bonus. Like we're getting the true value here. And you read this really nice poem and it was super cool and really well-written. And I know I'm going to ask you sometime to read it for the listener here today, but I just wanted to discuss it first. And what was really interesting for us is that now we had the poem as a way to make our journey more interesting. So each place we stopped, we would order the special pine tree drink or the the slow gin fizz or whatever it was. There were there were so many really interesting ones. There was a thing called a, a flip, which was at a bar called PDT, which stands for mm-hmm. Please Don't Tell. It was kind of an underground speakeasy where you had to go through Griff's hot dogs and through a phone booth to get in. But each time we ordered a drink, we made the bartender read the poem to us so that as our night went on and things got a little sloppier, the poem took on different meaning and different resonance. And and each person really was intrigued by the story and then they were impacted by it. And I know you may not have known this, but it was part of why the poem became so special and I kept it in my drawer. And all these years later, when we started the podcast, I was like, hey, let's see if we can find this dude. And I, can I tell you, it mm. was super easy. Your name was on the yeah. bottom of the poem. <laughs> and there was a website and it was dated 12, 26, 13 in New York City. I was so grateful that you accepted our invitation. And I know this is only one of 10,000 mm. poems, but these stories probably are are living in a lot of people's drawers or on their walls. And the impact that you make is the rings resonate out quite far, I think. Ah, I'm so glad to hear that. I would love it if you would read the poem as if you were reading it back to me on the street, because I'd like the listener to hear what I heard right before I left on my, my journey with my friends. Oh, yeah, this was a fun one. Here's the poem, Straight No Chaser, from 2013 in New York City, dedicated to the t- Tipsy Trio's Lounge Crawl. We're looking for something, blue with an umbrella, or a monkey, or a sword, something on the rocks, or something high and dry. We're looking for a bite, or for a smooth finish, something bitter, something sweet. We're looking for a taste we haven't found yet in this life, the unnameable fruition of every tree we've ever tended to, everyone that's known our care. We're looking for an answer, when our questions get sloppy or more true. Either way, we're looking for some company that doesn't judge us, only lets our judgment slip off our tongues. Yeah, that's so great. And you wrote that in just a few minutes, having just heard about our journey. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible way for us to spend that holiday moment together. How it grew was that when we got to these various places and we would have them read them back to us, we kept thinking, why is this party so small? And we started sending out notes on Facebook or text and we would say, hey, we're now going to Evelyn to have this drink or we're going to this place to have this appetizer. People got the messages and it was somewhat of like a progressive dinner pub crawl, which is two people showed up at the next one. Then they sent something to their friend. By the end of the night, there were 10 of us toasting 
uh, to the holidays. And it, it was all it started with this simple text that you wrote on your typewriter. So I thank you for that, for that special thing. You're welcome. Thanks for being so willing to enter the poem and have it become part of your life. To find out more about the poetry of Alondra Markman, go to poetryuponrequest.com. My friend Maya Sharp, who's the singer-songwriter that I called to create our custom theme song for Creativity and Captivity podcast, shares a song with us that she co-wrote with her three-time Grammy Award-winning father, Randy Sharp. The two of them wrote the hit song, A Home for the Chicks, in 2002, and today they reflect on what it's like returning for the holidays to see your reflection in the eyes of all your relatives in the song, Room Full of Mirrors.
Kudos to Maya and Randy Sharp for sharing that tune with us. The next song was written and recorded by songwriter and producer Tony Hazelden. It's about a carpenter that returns home after a long day of building in the desert to find his fiancée suddenly quite far along with an unexpected Christmas bundle. It was nine months B.C. Joe didn't have a clue Wouldn't marry his pretty little fiance Had gotten herself into How the spirit touched her In the backseat of a dream But sooner or later he'll find out She's been riding with the king And wanna know who 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 the baby daddy told Joe the story he just shook his head said hell Mary mother God I think we've them both been had she said no no baby it's not like that you need to understand now now technically I'm I'm still a virgin untouched by a human hand he said now tell me the truth girl just tell me who who the baby daddy Thought about calling it off, y'all But divorce is a terrible mess So they gathered up their things And caught the next donkey out of Nazareth He said, now baby, you know I'm a righteous man And I can't let you get stoned But I still feel like a bigger ass Than the donkey you riding on, honey Won't you tell me who? Just tell me who Who the baby daddy Baby daddy 
was Who the Baby's Daddy by Tony Hazelden. Thank you for that, Tony. And now we're going to turn to some more stand-up from my new album. This is my take on nativity scenes, gift wrap, and stockings. Enjoy. Our nativity scene got used by every member of the family. My dad would use it to diagram football plays for us. He would set the holy family up in a formation, send a shepherd long on the outside. Get down here, let me show you how the Hail Mary play works, right? My brothers and I would play, take our little green army in and attack the nativity scene because it was the only people their size they could actually you know, battle with uh, seasonally anyway. The green army men is the one thing that future civilizations will find when they come to this planet because they're buried everywhere on earth. You go home tonight, lift a piece of sod in your yard, you're gonna find three guys melted together by their helmets with a firecracker between their legs. <laughs> I did not volunteer for this war. The ultimate enemy to the Green Army was the Easy Bake Oven. My sister discovered you could put a platoon of guys in there and melt them into sheet cookies, just <sighs> smell of home cooking. You know how the Easy Bake Oven worked? It was a light bulb. It was a 40-watt light bulb. 40 watts of bacon power behind you, clear a path to the kitchen, I'm whipping up a souffle. Right? But it was apparently hot enough to get the metal back of that too hot, the hardware that was holding it on, and they took it off the market. They changed it over to plastic. Probably a lot of you know the advent from metal toys to plastic toys, right? I would hazard a guess that there are people in this audience that probably had a Mr. Potato Head that was a real potato. Yeah. Yes, I know. And then the depression came and you had to eat him. <laughs> uh, mine was plastic and it got run over by a lawnmower. And uh, so I called him Mr. Hash Browns because he was scarred up on one side. <laughs> we knew these toys, we knew what we wanted because a book would come right around the, the J.C. Penny catalog would come in the mail, and you would go through it a page at a time. I want it, want it, want it, need it, want it, have it. Oh, I called this whole page just for me. You fantasized about everything in there. We could tell you what all these things were under the tree, fully wrapped by the shape. That canister has got to be Lincoln Logs. That long box is the Hot Wheel tracks. The fat box is Kerplunk. You know, any one of those we knew. But also, it was because we were emotionally scarred by my mother's gift wrap savings technique. Did you have a mom, an aunt, or a grandmother that was a militant dictator over the gift wrap? When you would move for the present, they would begin, watch the paper, be careful, be careful, we're saving the paper, save the paper. You, when you pull the tape, you're pulling the pattern, be careful, no. Bows in this bag, ribbons in this bag, paper in this bag, you know. We were all gun shy. It was like we were dismantling a letter bomb at this point. I touched the red ribbon to the green ribbon. Is that gonna do it? No, don't worry. Every generation had one before them that was frugal and more frugal than that. We had to save the tinsel off our tree one strand at a time. I know, you couldn't put it on in a clump, you couldn't take it off in a clump. Yes, well I discovered a quick and easy down and dirty tinsel removal system. Put on a brand new Christmas sweater, stocking feet, cross the carpet, approach the tree, it all jumps right on. You run it through an ace comb, you're ready for next year. We had a cheap Santa so chintzy, he would put fruit in our stockings from our own refrigerator. I recognize bruises and plums I wouldn't eat a week ago. They don't taste better served out of a hot sock. All right, the next segment is a little bit of a tease 
for our upcoming episode with Leah Sprecher that will air on January 5th. Leah is the creator, writer, and performer of a character named Broadway Barbara that you can find on Instagram and TikTok, and it's a hilarious send-up of cabaret singers. And she had a holiday song to share that I thought I would squeeze in before Christmas. A winter frost is in the air and Christmas time is near. So let's cozy up together for some joyous holiday cheer. Let's build a little gingerbread house covered in marshmallow fluff. Let's take a walk in the snow and when you get cold you can put your hands in my muff. Oh, it may look rough and scratchy and that might just turn you off. But I guarantee the inside is nice and warm and soft. Later I'll eat your Christmas ham, but before we both get stuffed, we could use a little warm-up, so just put your hands in my muff. Thanks for joining us for our first annual Christmas Cluster. As I say some thank yous, we will be treated to more Christmas jazz by the Joanne Doherty Trio. With Joanne's finger-popping piano work, supported by Ryan Bennett on drums and Joshua Ramos on bass. Many thanks to my co-producer and editor on this episode, Tucker Hazel. And a very Merry Christmas to our other support staff, Diane Johansson and Delilah Lovejoy. Special thanks to Tony Deo and Andy Hendrickson of Ghost Runner Records. A big shout out to all our guest contributors, John McGivern as Erlene Hoople, Leah Sprecher as Broadway Barbara, Poet Alondra Markman as himself, and songs provided by Maya and Randy Sharp, Tony Hazelden, Broadway Barbara, Larry Goldberg, Catherine Porter, and Seth Barish. Please subscribe, share, and review to be an ongoing part of our creative community. We will be back next Thursday with Chris Kenner, the executive producer of David Copperfield's show at the MGM in Las Vegas. As we say in Texas, have a cool Yule, y'all. Nobody says that. <laughs> <laughs>